Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. in historic monoscrew manner for another episode of Draft and Draft Friday Night Podcast. My name is Corey, your limited lore master and denizen of the Unlucky Lounge. Joining me as always is the big burly bear who's willing to give you a bear hug whenever you feel down. His name is Borok. Borok, my bear dude, happy holidays. got a guest joining us back in the feature table to bring that holiday spirit connecting friends even though we might be worlds apart here in the unlucky lounge for some fun draft styling but before we get to that draft a few bits of housekeeping as always this podcast is brought to you by the believe podcast network check them out bleav.com or wherever you download your audio goodness Keep your midday blues away with Believe. And as always, the show is here because of all of you, my listeners, my unlucky lounge rats. Thank you for tuning in. Come and join us on socials, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, all Draft and Draft Corey. On Instagram, find me at Corey Damone Enriquez. And if the show is giving you some joy, feel free to check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft the show will always be free but if we're giving you some joy feel free go and take advantage of some of our great tiered benefits help us keep the lights on here in the unlucky lounge well friends the housekeeping is all done the sorcerer's broom is put back into the conjurer's closet that means we can get to today's draft it's still cube season we get a lot of it here this holiday season on arena but What's the holidays without some friends, some people to revel together, to celebrate, and we're bringing back a former guest of the show in all of his glory, but I'll let him speak for himself. Let's swing on back to the feature table for some Friday night podcast action, special guest style. I gotta say, man, it's really great to see you back in here. I mean, uh, what do you think about the place? I, I've really done a lot of, uh, of primping and polishing and, and trying to roll out the red carpet for you. It's really nice. It uh, smells like uh, beer in here, which uh, I don't always get, but it's it's nice from time to time. The gum under the table, can I eat this? No, what? Gum under the table? No. Yeah, that- feel under the table. There's some gum over here. Can I eat this Ew. gum? Oh, no, you, you actually should not eat that gum i there's a lot of people from different planes i don't want you to get some kind of weird mouth disease from like calheim or something that that's not no don't do that i don't think anybody has ever gotten sick from that i think it's actually okay to do gum is like an and it's like an antiseptic it's like it sterilizes everything it touches you're 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 a grown-up man you can make your own choices (laughs) if you want to go for that gum it's there for you but You'll have plenty of time to make that choice because here this week on Friday Night Podcast, we get to welcome back to the show a previous guest. Welcoming back to the Unlucky Lounge, Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm very good, Corey. Thank you for having me back. Um, I'm excited to 
talk some cube which has drawn me back into magic people may remember sean and i from uh magic arena drafting club which became let's draft and then we uh we lost the love man we lost the love for magic and uh we still wanted to keep doing podcasts so now we're doing uh, one called forever quest uh, which is about a game called everquest we're doing one called um ltf which is long-term friends because sean and i have been friends for 30 years so we just talk about that and then i do another one with some of my friends called uh more punk than me about punk rock songs but uh this is really nice to be a guest because i'm currently the host of all three of those and uh <laughs> it's a little exhausting it's a little fun just uh just to chill out here but sean says hi to everybody and even though uh we lost the love for magic we didn't lose the love for everybody out there that was the best thing about it but cubes brought me back because i freaking love cube you know, a couple things. Number one, I want you to be assured you won't have to do with any editing. I, I, the <laughs> editing is all on me. You're good. You don't have to worry yes. about that at all. So, uh, but you know what? In all honesty, I think in the course of any Planeswalker's life playing the game of Magic the Gathering, a break is in order. I've taken many breaks in my time. The fact that I worked on a cruise ship for years means I got to have, you know, four months off of playing Magic. And then when I have six weeks of vacation, I would like drive multiple multiple hours just to find a draft to get a five draft weekend in paper yes. obviously not a thing in 2020 but i i would be there and can i just say as well i really appreciate ltf long-term friendship because my favorite parts about let's draft was the interaction that you and sean had the flow and that friendship that same feel that we look to have here in the unlucky lounge of people tuning in from all over chatting and socializing i i love that you're bringing that to the podcast platform well, we have to do that because there's already experts out there, right? We didn't want to compete with LSV on the access of who's a better Magic player. <laughs> That's you're, tough. you're not going to win that access, not after so, the streak he's had this year. So, um, and I have to say that when I do Cube with you here, I have to uh, try to have my own voice because even though I don't play a ton of Magic anymore on my free time, I still watch LSV play Vintage Cube and Historic Cube. So. A lot of times I feel like I develop my own opinions, but then I listen to his opinions and I, you know, I layer those over mine. So when I talk, when I'm like talking to Sean about Cube, I'll give him all these opinions and I'll be like, oh, wait a second. I just repeated four things that LSV said and none of it was, you know, they were things that I had in mind already, but he just reinforced them in my mind. So I'm going to do my best today to also be a little Jeff and not just repeat everything that he said, you know? Well, you know, uh, I, I also watch a lot of Cube from LSV, Vintage Cube, but the Arena Cube is quite different. And you and I actually did oh, yeah. an episode a while back on your old podcast uh, about the Arena Cube and it's uh, not previous iteration, but the one before that. What are your insights into Cube, either just in 2020 and whole or how it looks right now? Well, the Arena Cube specifically is still developing. So if you think Vintage Cube is this thing that's been curated over a long period of time and tweaked just perfectly, it's a well-tuned machine where every archetype is very viable. I honestly don't think the Arena Cube is there yet. So, you know, there are some archetypes that I find to be a little underwhelming and some that are better to focus on, but it's still a ton of fun because I, I find there's probably six or seven very viable archetypes and there's ways to like blend them in with each other. It's not the same deck every time. So even though it's not quite there yet, um, uh, like the Vintage Cube is, it's still a ton of fun. Uh, and then I would just also say it's very creature-based. Uh, and so you don't want to just put three creatures in your deck and have them all be awesome um, and expect them to live because your opponent's going to be playing removal. 
So, you know, if you're playing a bunch of ramp cards to get out a big green creature, maybe that'll work in Vintage Cube because some people just don't play removal. But that's not going to work here because, you know, the first couple turns you just played ramp cards, they didn't use their removal spell. But now you finally play your huge seven drop or you play your, you know, and they're just going to kill it right away. I have found a lot of success in like white base control lot because there's a, like a number of wraths between yeah. Wrath of God, Cleansing Nova, Brawl's Expertise. It, there's a lot of gas. So you can play like small number of creature counts, but you want to supplement it with what's the most important thing to me in cube. That's having a plan. And I have also found success in the same thing you said, Jeff, with creature-based strategies, particularly uh, green ramp, puke out your hand, go to town-based strategies. But I find those only to be particularly viable when you have ways to protect that strategy, like a heroic intervention, unbreakable formation, uh, the selfless savior, the puppers, dauntless bodyguard. Like I, I really do enjoy those creature-based strategies and they've been quite successful, but you need to have like that way to protect it, you know, because of the presence of, well, quite a bit yeah. of wrathing. Uh, and then also on, on the other coin of that, something that you kind of helped me discover in the cube episode that we did was the strength of the mill package in this format. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the mill package, is, it can be scary. Uh, Sean and I drafted a sweet deck the other day. It had Golos, it had Scarab God, it had um, uh, Sublime Epiphany. It had, I think, two other bombs. It was a pretty ridiculous deck, but the very first game we played against a mill deck and we were just a little too slow. And I'm like, oh God, we're gonna lose. You know, we drafted this sweet deck, we're gonna lose to mill. We didn't lose, we drew, um, the Scarab God, which was able to reanimate an Elvish Reclaimer and blow up their uh, five drop uh, enchantment that mills you for every land that gets drawn or whatever. Patient rebuilding, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we won that one. But yeah, mills real here. Um, I honestly don't think it's one of the top ones, but it's definitely playable if it's open. There's a lot of pieces. Yeah, and I, me and my friend also had a really crazy deck where it was like, we had the Folio, we had the Teferi's Tutelage, we had the Jace Wielder Mysteries, we had Thassa's Oracle, so we could either go self-mill or their, like, mill them, right. along with Ashiok. And Ashiok has been a real role player. Exiling Graveyards is not irrelevant. Like, there's just so much going. Have you have you ever been, like, Hellbent, and you get all those little icons of, oh, you can cast this from Exile, or you can cast this from Graveyard, right. and it's like you have no cards in hand, but right. actually you've got five. <laughs> Yes, yes. There's a lot of graveyard synergy here, and I think Ashiok is good for that reason. If I am playing the mill strategy, you know, I definitely want ways to interact with my opponent early. I want to really focus on two drops or three drops that can either bounce their creatures there or that put up some defense. I think that's one thing people undervalue in this uh, cube. Uh, I play a lot of best of one, and uh, I've frankly been having pretty good success, which is the reason I keep coming back to the well. I think I'm, I'd say I'm <laughs> averaging about six and three. And um, I think people don't value like two drops highly enough. It's just more casual cube players don't understand that you want to be using all your mana every turn. So I would say my typical cube curve is I'm drafting a lot of like uh, uh, tap lands and stuff like that. So turn one, I'm usually playing a tap land. And then turn two, I'm using all my mana. I'm casting something that costs two mana. And then maybe turn three, I'm playing another tap land. Then I'm using all my mana again, or I'm tapping all three mana. It's really important to me that turns one, two, and three, I'm using my mana effectively and thinking about what I'm gonna do a lot. I sometimes spend like a full minute on turn one and two, just figuring out like what way to sequence my lands because it can be so important 
that um because if you're doing something every turn you know these are very powerful cards if you're doing something every turn and your opponent waits till turn four to start doing things usually you've kind of already won the game yeah i've gone as far to pick say a blood chief's thirst or even silent departure particularly early because just that early interaction that tempo disruption is absolutely vital but you mentioned a card before and i, w- I want to cycle back to it uh you, you said you drafted golos and golos yeah. in itself is almost like an archetype that is yeah. that has its own gravitational sun. Like if if Golos is open, everyone's like, "Oh God, I have to find the field of the dead. I have to find all the colors." And then you've got MDFCs, which also can come towards the field of the dead plan. How is the strategies like five color, a yeah. bunch of stuff, good stuff in different colors? Is that as reasonable in this uh, best it's of one com- archetype? It's completely reasonable. I have to mention that I've only played best of one, um, and really quick before i forget uh let, just mention that we got to come back to red aggro for me uh, but let's talk about golos um yeah i think it's extremely open i think it's one of the best cards also especially to early pick because then you can just uh it's uh, you can stay open or you can just still pick a couple colors and play golos in it that's fine too going to get any land for five colorless mana and getting a three five really isn't that bad um and then obviously when you start spinning Golos, it's a huge deal. You know, Golos kind of goes with Field of the Dead too. It's kind of like those two together is the perfect package. And then you just start start taking all the Triomes. You start taking all the lands. You don't really care if they come into play tapped or not. Usually you'll be in some type of green-blue core package and then branch out to the other colors from there and just take like early green and blue cards to ramp out and have interaction or maybe early green and black to have interaction and ramp up, but then you get into maybe some white with the high end and you're playing maybe even things like uh, Approach of the Second Sun or you're playing that huge white enchantment that makes all your opponent's creatures one ones and they can't do anything. (laughs) I cannot wait to draft and approach the Second Sun deck. I want to do it so bad. I've won off of Thassa's Oracle and Jace Wielder of Mysteries so many times. I just want to make the Second Sun come down on my opponent's face. That's all I want. So I've done that, and uh, here's the one thing I love about Cube is you get to feel really clever a lot when you learn little interactions, right? And so there's a two-card interaction that I didn't realize existed until I accidentally drafted them together, and then I did it, and I'm like, this is amazing, and it's the uh, three-mana elf, one-one, that will dig five cards deep and find a land for you and put it into play. That's like the best card with Approach to the Second Sun because you can either play it early to ramp out Approach to the Second Sun or you can play your Approach and then play that and get five cards out of the way. <laughs> then maybe cycle something and then next turn you draw Approach again and you kill them. That's great. Yeah, and in the same vein, like, you know, I, I've had some like trickiness with, say, White Green. I, I actually was able to trophy with the White Green deck yesterday, which was really nice. But, you know, you can still pair that same thing with like, you know, green, blue, maybe a little splash of white, but you can also just have Salundi Vision, the MDFC yeah. Yeah. from ZNR, where you, you dig like the top six yep. cards for an instant or sorcery. That's bam, perfect. like you're right there. Yeah, good. And that you're bringing up a larger point, which I think is why cube season is such a special season, because the cube season ignites inspiration. Cube yeah. season allows us to play around with different cards that don't normally play around with. And as long as you've got that capital P plan going on, you can make something happen. You just have to do it with that disciplined stuff that you talked about before. Uh, you know, having that early interaction, being able to take advantage of using your mana every turn, which are amazing points that hopefully my unlucky lounge rats, if you take away anything from this episode, take that. But let's talk about discipline with a color that maybe doesn't uh, 
do discipline as well. Let's get <laughs> back to mono red. Uh, what's 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 your mono red strat? I know that you have one card that you're like, friends, we got to stop tabling this card right. because it's going to ride you straight to HE double hop key sticks. Yeah, the reason we didn't even plan on recording this podcast until about an hour ago when we were on Discord and I'm like, hey guys, I'm playing Magic again because Cube is so fun. I'm like, if you just want some basic strategies, you know, draft red. I saw Hellrider wheel the other day. It's insane. Hellrider's like a top three card again. Probably in and Hellrider gets planeswalkers. It gets planeswalkers, right. y'all. Like, like just get your your opponent's errant like Karn or or Elspeth or or get that Ashak out of there. It it it's such a great piece for the mono red deck. So the thing with mono red is, um, I constantly keep seeing uh, red cards at the end of every pack in best of one draft. So I would just suggest to anybody who wants to start playing cube, but you really don't want to lose your gold or gems. And by the way, it's not that expensive. It's a uh, 4,000 gold to get into a draft and then I think you got to get to like five and three to win your gold back or somewhere right around there and um and if you don't get back there it's not like you completely brick out and don't get anything back uh uh, but yeah red I think is just way too open I don't draft it a lot because I'm kind of playing cube for fun and so I draft a lot of uh ramp uh in every color but red actually <laughs> I draft every color but red and I ramp out usually as my as my uh common strategy but um red is so good uh it's way too open again you just want to have a lot of one drops a lot of two drops that's probably the most important thing kind of avoid the three and four drops for the most part unless they're super good like uh raging ferocidon that card that got banned <laughs> out of ixalan everybody's like why did this card get banned <laughs> rampaging ferocidon um, uh, Chandra Torch of Defiance, even though it's a four drop, that's the perfect topper for an aggro deck that you want to have. Um, and yeah, like we mentioned, Hellrider, um, all the cheap removal in red that costs like one or two red and just hits for a couple uh, damage is all good. And that's a great thing about red versus white, in my opinion. They're both very good, but red, if your opponent brings down blockers or wraths you, you still can draw a couple burn spells and just finish the game while they're trying to find their finisher. You're going to win a lot of games if you just draft red and keep your curve extremely low and don't draft any other color, just red, just cut red and play mm. like 16 lands. Play like 16 yeah. mountains, maybe the red land that gives all your creatures plus one, plus oh. Yeah, and I've seen a number of people try to roll out, say, a red-white aggro deck, and I'm, think, I'm thinking to myself, like there, there's a lot of red-white cards, like you've got Aurelia and you've got Tajik, but I think you're right. It's just better to stick to like mono red and not have to yeah. worry about the color things. Uh, I have seen like a black red, and I've actually navigated a couple of really insane black red decks, but those aren't aggro decks. Those are like graveyard right. aristocratian stra strategies. So I, if you if you want to, and especially because going forward, and and we're gonna have best of one for the foreseeable future until I think January they're gonna roll out the Tinker's Cube. I'm not quite sure what the difference is gonna be, but they announced it on Ooh. on the main page. Yeah. I remember that one. That's the it's lower power. It reminds me a lot of uh shout out to Scott Anata. Um he has a cube that he made that's very much like uncommon based and it's all like interaction. So any one card on its own is not a bomb. Which by the way well, is another quick mention about this cube. I find eighty percent of the cards are all fairly flat power level. And they're all kind of the same. Honestly, I think a lot of them are kind of just, you know, just okay. But then there's these top tier of cards that we've been mentioning. Hellrider, Golos, uh, Sublime Epiphany. These are some amazing cards. Um, Scarab God. And these are the ones that you want to kind of grab and build your deck around. Uh, Hydroid Crisis, you know. 
Uh, and I, I have to throw this out here because you haven't lived until you've done this, and I'm wondering if maybe you or Sean did this. Have you ever had a chance to cast Sublime Epiphany and then go to the next turn and have your Torrential Gear Hulk <laughs> cast Sublime Epiphany? I've tried! Copy of Torrential Gear Hulk and then cast another card out of your graveyard. No. It's pretty magical if you haven't had a chance to do it yet. I have not, and I literally tried last night because I had that deck last night. It was almost all mono blue. It was splashing black, so I could Thassa back in that rogue that makes your opponents discard a card based on your size of your party. And I was also blinking um, a Jade Light Ranger in green, even though it was double green, because that's really good to blink. But yeah, I kept ramping up to a Sublime Epiphany Torrential Gear Hulk package, and I kept trying to do exactly what you're saying. But usually I had enough pressure on me where I couldn't sequence the way I wanted to. I kind of had to just keep playing to the board and I couldn't pull off that sweet combo. I mean, my favorite thing that I've done, and I don't know if I'm going to top this, uh, <laughs> was uh, we, we in our last Friday night podcast episode, we had our white-blue Super Friends control deck and we had Scholar of the Lost Trove, which is the 5-5 five, five Flying Sphinx that yeah. lets you cast an instant sorcery artifact. We cast yeah. Torrential Gear Hulk out of the graveyard and then Gear Hulk cast Warden Warrant which is an instant, but that it can't cast the instant side, so it has to cast the sorcery side, right, right. and then you get to make the four-four flying vigilant sphinx. Uh, it wow. was—I was like, wow, that—I I think that's—I think I should like retire now. I don't think I can make a better interaction than that. Man, I, we we have a lot to live up to. We may just have to go mono red and go seven zero and burn some face. <laughs> well, you know what? We're gonna figure out what we're gonna draft here uh, because we're digging in. It's Friday night podcast. We're celebrating the end of the week. And Jeff, are you ready to do some drafting here today? Let's do it. Jeff, we're gonna jump right into our draft here. Now, I, I saw the best of one queued up, so we're gonna go best of three. Yeah, let's do it, man. I'm excited. I haven't done best of three. I'm hoping that what happens is we run into more spikes who stay in their lanes, because that's one problem with best of one, is you have to really stay open and see what everybody else is drafting and then draft around mm -hmm. them. Because, uh, yeah, spikes tend to find an archetype right away, stay in their lane and not dip into the other cards, and I like that. Well, before we get this queue up, we like to have a little uh, tradition here, a little something we like to call the untapped step. So, uh, Jeff, cheers to a good draft, my friend. Cheers. Here we go. We're queued up. We're ready to go. Like, literally, we were talking for 20 seconds, and this draft fired. That's how exciting this is. So, uh, pick one, pack one. The the top end, Niv Misery Born, I found to be a real uh, hit and a miss. I don't ever want to play this card. Thalia's there. I think this card's really actually an interesting card for the mono white strategies. I've yet to play Pelt Collector, the one one from Guilds of Ravnica. Have you ever played this card, Jeff? No, I don't. I don't like the green just creature based decks personally. And that's completely reasonable for some of the things we talked about before with all the wraths present. Uh, the two cards that really kind of stand out to me are Hostage Taker. This card is is crazy powerful. Two three. Two blue black. It exiles an artifact or creature. It can exile the Great Henge. I learned that one. That's really oh, nice. important. It can get the Great Henge, and then you can cast it as long as it's exiled with Hostage Taker. And the other card that I really adore is Blood Artist. This card is such a a, a way to play a, a deck and have a strategy. Uh, what what's standing out to you in this pack, Jeff? I like the ones you mentioned as well as Fatal Push, Golden Egg, and Boon of the Wishgiver. I love Golden Egg and Boon of the Wishgiver because I love staying open early, and I think they both keep you extremely open. I think Hostage Taker is probably the most powerful card in the deck, and I have underrated Blood Artist in the pack. That card has killed me so many times. That card's pretty amazing. But yeah, I would take Golden Egg probably here as a super, super boring pick to stay completely open. I think uh, Hostage Taker is also an amazing pick here if we can manage to be in those colors. Let's go with staying open. I've found success in that as well. And hey, you're the guest here in the Unlucky Lounge. <laughs> Golden egg pick one. How boring. 
This is how well, I we can keep, though. We can keep up to staying open here in pick two. Uh, the Immortal Sun is one of the well, yeah. five like mythics that. in this pack. This card is, is quite something, and when I've seen it hit the battlefield, I've seen it take over the game. So it's six-costing legendary artifact. Players can activate Planeswalker abilities. You draw an additional card. Spells cost one less, and it's an Anthem effect. Ha have you had a chance to play this card yet? No, because everybody takes it. I say we take it here, and we stay open, and we just avoid uh Planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah, I... I and I love that. I mean, hey, this is what we're talking about, right? Cube inspires inspiration. Let yeah. we saw it. Let's try it. I, I don't know. Have you seen Emery, Lurker of the Lock yet? The, the yeah, yeah. Have we seen well, her? Is she in this cube? I don't think I've seen her yet. I don't think so. I want to tell people what else is in here though that I think is good. What's that very first one called? That's a good card. Magnara the, Di the Diplomat. Yep. That's good. The black card, the uh, Nightmare guy. He's super good. Nightmare Shepherd, yeah, the 4-4 flyer that makes copies of creatures, that's good. I, Seagate Stormcaller I found to be a little underwhelming because there's just not that many good things that's that you right. can copy with it. Agreed. Uh, and I, I do like Sphinx, Sphinx's Rev as well in blue-white control strategies, so I'm happy to take the Immortal Sun and delay the choice of colors of what we need to go to. I think that's a, a really good way of approaching what we're going to do here. Hmm, this pack is a little less exciting, but there is some stuff. Uh, so Vito, Thorn of the Dusk Rose is a card that I've not been a big fan of, but maybe considering we started on a golden egg and we're flexible enough, we can go to it. But I, see, I don't even, have not seen. I don't even see those interactions a lot of time. I'm glad you saw that. I didn't even see that interaction. I here am on uh, either eliminate or the land. I like the land more. So it's just so everybody knows here, it's kind of a weak pack. There's a watery grave, which is probably my pick here because when I'm still staying open, I like to pick up nice duels. Also, eliminate I think is a pretty good card. It's for two mana, instant speed, kill a creature or planeswalker with converted mana three or less. So I'm probably on the land here, but I think eliminate's a fine pick. Yeah, I like the land. If we didn't start off on two artifacts, I would actually really lean towards Rishkar, Pima, or Renegade. This is an example of a green card that can deploy your hand out quickly and then also plays to some counter things. Like, you can do, like, green-white counters. I've, I've found some success, but I, I do like the land pick, and that also is going to our personal hero, LSV, saying take lands early and often. That's right. right. Because what's going to happen is if we take a bunch of lands in pack one, then pack two and three, we're going to be able to draft a lot of bombs we wouldn't normally be able to take. All right, so right here, I'm seeing a little bit of a sign that maybe red's open, but probably not. It's just that second card is pretty good. What's it called? Devil's Play. It's one red X steal X damage to any target, but then it has flashback, which is just super good. It's a two for one burn spell. Um, so I this is like definitely. Yeah, I mean, we could potentially take it if only because I'm not thinking of it of this deck as like a as a aggro deck. This right. is looking like a control deck that sets up right. a Devil's Play as a removal and then maybe a, a damage finisher. Besides that, Siege Gang Commander, sadly, I've not been that impressed by Siege Gang this time around. And right. it is quite a good card like, in most situations. There's a Terramander, but we're not looking yeah. like sorceries. Perilous Mirror is a, is a fair filler. I like that a lot here. It's kind of like keeps you alive. It's a blocker that can kill something. And I like the land as well. We have a, a Temple of Malady here that's a scry land. I actually think the scry lands are some of the best duels in this set. Um, but I, yeah, so I like that in the mirror. I think it's either one. Let's go with the temple. Uh, if we're getting enough colors, maybe we can try to find that silly Golos package and do Golos things. I don't know. Uh, well, I, I kind of like a couple things in this pack, things that are standing out. So we've got two lands, Rogren Triome, that's the Jeskai land from Ikoria. Spire Bluff Canal, it's the fast land from Kaladesh, that's red-blue. Icy Manipulators in this pack, which is pretty cool. But the way this deck is developing, I want to make an argument. I've yet to see this play. I want to make an argument for Midnight Clock. So I love it. 
love it. So because we, yeah, we ramp we ramp into the the sun, right? I love it. We can ramp ramp into the sun, and now we can just take everything as small as possible. All the black removal. We'll empty our hand. Then we'll just like wheel it back with the midnight clock, and then we can just like redeploy yeah. a bunch of resources. And maybe we can table like this archfiend of Ifnir and find a couple of their cycling cards or or things that discard. There's a lot more discarding in this cube than I thought. If did you watch yesterday's uh, stream with Gabby Sparts? Like no, she, I've put, I pretty she, much only watch LSV. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a sick of Fair that. enough. Fair enough. Like she, she had, she had this really surprising deck that had so much discard with cards like this lightning axe that's in this pack. And I'm like, wow, mm. that discards and can trigger reality everwise. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Uh, but speaking of this pack, things that stand out, uh, I, I'm interested in Young Peasy if we can start to maybe go towards spells and make someone wants to block that seems interesting the Agadim's awakening is kind of good with the two black lands that we started on but we're not very creature based at the moment uh tetsuko umazawa i want to see this this card work i've yet to see it work it's the creatures you control with power toughness one or less can't be blocked i i yeah. want to try it but i don't think it's this deck what's standing like up for the, you Jeff? i like the vampire i like the two drop we don't have uh, enough we, i want to get tons of two drops and this one draws us a card just brings us closer mm. to our end game um i also do like that land a lot if we were a little more creature based um and i also do love pyromancer um not only in aggro decks but in just most decks uh, pyromancer is really good i really love your pick it's this this one one vampire it's a one one uh, for one in a black from uh, I, the Ikoria set, it, it ETBs, you lose your uh, life and you draw a card. It's not a sexy pick, but it's a, it's a good pick. How do you feel about Mirari's Wake? <laughs> Can we do something like that? Is, is that just too fine in the sky? That seems like it could be fun. I don't know. I want. I don't think we're going to be a creature deck. Um, yeah, I see. I see what you have highlighted there, which I kind of like because we might be able to get some graveyard synergy. It's a Gravebreaker Lamia for five mana. You get a four-four Life Link. Can help keep you alive. Plus, it can put something in your graveyard for some potential synergy there. I also like Shock just as a very cheap interaction card, especially if we can pick up some more blue card draw to just never run out of cards. So to me, it's probably between those two. That white card isn't bad. That five-drop Archon, but. It's not amazing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning more towards the Lamia, and let's go ahead and take that because uh, the lifelink is good. We, well, we can perceivably find some graveyard stuff, and the shock, I'm not really finding too much exciting in the red thing, although we did just find an Electro Dominance, which is kind of good. Uh, this is, we're, we're at pick eight here. I've never seen Demonic Pack happen, and I'm not interested in trying to make it happen. We could take another land in Glacial Fortress. We I like could. The I like the land and the, you know, that red creature isn't bad, but I'd probably just take a land here. Fortress looks good yeah. to me. It's blue. We're, we have a blue card. Yeah, so uh, it's a glacial fortress. It's the the white blue uh, untapped if control of planes or island. I think it's just better to take the land. Dire Fleet Daredevil, the two one that lets you cast an instant sorcery out of your opponent's graveyard. It's just so dependent on our opponent having things. Whoa, look what we tabled, Jeff. That's oh, that's fatal nice. push. I love it. It keeps keeps us wow. alive. Plus, fatal push is the perfect card for midnight clock. You just stay alive, and then you get the fatal push back later. Yeah, uh, I'm very happy taking that fatal push on the table. Really, really Works nice. Works with golden egg too. And we tabled as well the Nightmare <laughs> Shepherd and the Sphinx's Rev from wow. before. We we did just pick up a Glacial Fortress for Sphinx's Rev, but I mean this, and we're not a creature deck, but we do have a Dusk. That's a good. Zealot. It's just a good card too. Nightmare Shepherd's a really strong card. Well, let, let's take it. I'm interested because uh, the enchantment side of it seems like it could be a bit of a downfall. I've seen a lot of like random disenchant stuff floating around, but I still think it's a very good card. I think you're right. Oh, wow. Rishgar tabled. Sea Dasher Octopus. I've not seen this card get played yet, and I don't think it ever will. 
if I'm going to be honest. I tried. I tried. It's not great. I don't love any of the cards in this pack. Veto wield, and I think there is a life gain package, which we're not in. But you know what? Maybe we could get in. We are picking up good black cards. We've seen several good black cards come our way here. Maybe Veto isn't even like the progressive life gain. Maybe for us, it's just like a combo kill. Like, we're just going to draw a lot of cards, have a lot of mana, and just try things. Uh, we're now in a time I like to call garbage time, although in the cube there's not so much anything like garbage time. But how do you feel after uh, pack one? Like, where how are we positioning ourselves? I feel like we're either in an artifact rampy deck or we're in a black X deck because we just have a lot of good black cards. So we may not be doing the rampy artifact thing if we keep getting fed some nice uh, black cards. I haven't really tried the black creature-based strategy but uh, we have, oh, there you go. We got Scarab God. So now I think I know what our direction is. We're just a good black-blue value deck, it looks like, is what we're turning out to be. Yeah, it sure seems like it. As Jeff said, uh, pick, uh, pick one, pack two, Scarab God is here. And this card is just nutter butter is insane. Uh, so, I mean, we're going we're gonna to slam it down. We're pretty happy. And then we can uh, focus more on interaction than having to get other good cards. But now, since we know that that's what we're going to take, and we've kind of seen Black Table, my the question I ask in, like, these pick ones is what do I want to table? If I table this, what card would I take? Like for I me, mean, I might actually choose like a Baral's expertise. That'd be great. I mean, Elspeth's Nightmare is what I want, but I doubt we're going to get it because uh, I value the fact that it's a little cheaper and it's just more interaction. Yeah, that's a good point too. I do love Elspeth's Nightmare and that duress side, the chapter two on it, super relevant. Did you hear that we're getting multicolor sagas in Call Time? Oh boy. It, it, it Elspeth's Nightmare is a bad late game, but pretty sweet when you curve out. Uh, ooh, what do we got here? So the very first card there is that huge white enchantment, which I don't think we're playing. I don't think we're going three color here. It's not like we have fixing. Oh, well, there's a Mind Stone. That's actually one of my pet cards. It's two mana. It just ramps you, or you can sack it for a card. Jeff, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I wrote this down in show notes while we were talking about things. I wanted to ask you my opinion on Mind Stone. I love Mind Stone, and this card is criminally taken super late nowadays. Yeah. And I'm like, why? This card is, this is the signet of the format. Everybody just has to start valuing two drops that do something. If it's just a two drop creature that will eventually get bricked, maybe don't value it too much. But two drops that do something like ramp or draw a card or whatever, they're just really good cards. Yeah, now I see you have highlighted a black removal spell for two. I love two drops. Let's do it. Um, by the way, in that last pack, there was that lithoform engine. And I played with that thinking it was a bomb. And it's I didn't think it was a bomb, honestly, in this format. Um, yeah, I, I've I've not seen that card be successful. It's super slow and it's a big monosync, but you just need to untap and do things. And it's like, I'd rather untap with other things than having to spend more mana for it. So, so since we know I, we're taking this card here, let's start to churn through here. Uh, podcast boy over here. I actually have to record another podcast in six minutes. So let's bang through some picks here. Let's do it. Uh, we got one in the queue right now we're waiting on uh, in pick four, pack one. Uh, this kind of floats between two cards to me, Orzhov Enforcer or yeah. Exclusion Mage. And I know what I would choose. I want to know, what do you think, Jeff? Of these two cards, what do you lean more towards? Oh, boy. I probably take the two drop, plus we're very black at this point. Also, find finality is very good, but we already have a couple ways to get things back out of our graveyard, so I don't know if we want more. Honestly, that's probably the best card in the pack, though. I'd probably take the two drop. I love early interaction. I just love it. Even though Exclusion Mage is an amazing card, especially if you can blink it. 
I would I, I would lean exclusion mage if only because we have like nightmare shepherd and we've got scarab god. But let's go let's go with the the uh, Orzhov enforcer. I haven't played enough of that card, and I would like to play it a little bit more. Pick five, pack two. Essence scatters in the pack. That's nice. We also have Palaka predation, which is pretty Love cool. It. I like uh, both those. I think Palaka is probably the responsible pick, but um, I find Essence Scatter to be very good in this format. You can a lot of times brick somebody's four or five drop bomb with that card because a lot of this format is creature-based. Well, honestly, just looking at what we have going on, the only blue cards we're running are Midnight Clock and Scarab God, like, right. honestly. So let's just go with the Palaka Predation because MDFCs, you get to a point where you have so many playables in this format. It's like, well... You know what? I don't really need another one. And we may not uh, even play Midnight Clock because we may not want to shuffle our graveyard. We have a lot of graveyard recursion in our deck. Really good point. Uh, pick six. We see a Fabled Passage, which is yeah. nice. And if we find like some kind of big color bomb, that could be really cool. There's a Lay Claim as well. Uh, what do you feel about Lay Claim in this format? I'm kind of off it. I think it's fine. Uh, I don't think it's a bomb. It's one of the few steal your opponent's uh, things in this format, but it's, it's really expensive. And there is a lot of interaction in this format. Well, pick seven, we see one of the cards you mentioned before, and we might have some grounds to take it in Hydroid Crisis. Oh, boy. <laughs> we've got a Temple of Milady. We've got a Fabled Passage. We could do just, like, blue-black splashing for, like, this crazy card. Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, that's probably the pick. I don't think we take the Priestess because we don't have enough sack outlets and... Uh... Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably the pick. Even though we may not play the Crisis, it's a great card. If we can get enough fixing, we'll play it. We're doing pretty okay right now, and I can see us getting some more. Priest of the Forgotten God, we're not at all that kind of, like, sack deck uh, at the moment. Uh, ooh, we see a Jace Wielder of Mysteries. Like, sure. If, if, it's I a mean, lot of blue. It's a lot of blue. We could maybe take an animation module instead, but I, I'm kind of down for Jacing. We're going to keep rocking and rolling through this draft, making things happen. Uh, Midnight Reaper is kind of cool. Nice with the uh, the Scarab God and the Nightmare Shepherd. I'm kind of down yeah, to just take that for it. some creature value. Perfect. So we're, we're, we're going to be rolling into pack three here uh, relatively quickly. Ooh, Warren, Warren Warrants. That's kind of nice early interaction. I'm down for that. Pack number three. What kind of things would you be excited to find so far with what we have? Um, oh, we've tabled a fine finality. That's cool. That's not bad. I feel like I want a little more power at the three, four, and five. We have a decent number of two drops now. We have some good interaction. We can take care of our opponent's creatures. We have several removal spells here. I, just, I want some more beef at the... Uh, at the four and five drop and i'm trying to remember in blue and black what really the ones we are i'll even take some threes at this point we tabled a spectral sailor which i've been impressed with with instant speed yeah, uh, interaction to go along with plus it. i want more uh, i want more fixing too respect completely understand if especially if we're going to play either the hydrate crisis or the fine finality uh teferi's tutelage is in this uh pick one pack three nice mill card kind of is, is synergistic with the j strategy negate i really like in this format it, it ends up getting a little something out of everything I'm on the creature here from Eldraine. I'm on that little zombie that for three mana you can draw a card or you can play a 1-1 death touch. I could see playing out the 1-1 death touch and just either Midnight Reaper lets you draw a card off it or you recur it with all these recursion targets. And plus we're yeah. so in black at the moment that it just keeps us in black. All right, you know what? I'm down for some Fall Mario Night. I am down. Like I, I definitely have a friend that uh, agrees Ooh, with you wholeheartedly on that. I love that people pass this card too much. This card is amazing. <laughs> you take away like their Ugin that they're ramping up to. It's just so good. Yeah, let's let's get that thought seize and just ruin some people's day. That seems like the <laughs> that seems like the real uh, black thing to do. And now in pick three, oh my gosh! So we have 
both shock lands that we want to invest towards because we've got kind of the bug thing potentially going on between having fine finality yeah. hydroid crisis yeah. we have overgrown tomb and breeding pool either we're very happy to get i kind of want to lean towards breeding pool at the moment yeah but i guess we're, we're we're mainly like black so maybe we take the black land instead overgrown Great. tomb looks good yeah, like right now, like we, we've got some good top end and I guess like with the Hydro Crisis there and having the fine finality, we can like, maybe we're not bringing things back, but it's a nice wrath effect that we just don't have. So I'm going to put the fine finality back in the deck with the idea that it's going to wipe up and kind of shore up some things. Wow. Okay, pick four. Yeah. We have some real toughies, some real toughies. Like we have commit to memory. I yeah. love that interaction, but can we ever pass a thief of sanity when we're in blue black is that can we ever do that i think the answer is no right i think the answer is no i also really like um the removal spell here down below what's that thing called again uh feed, feed the swarm the, swarm. the but, black enchantment removal but this deck wants creatures we have a lot of creature recursions so i think thief of sanity is perfect i said i wanted beef at the three four and five this is like one of the best three drops uh creature based three drops so let's just go for it Corey. i think we put together a sweet deck here i have to go live in that podcast life um of all things i have to interview a everquest streamer do you believe it wow well you know what i i totally understand everquest streamer they're they're living the best life so jeff thank you so much for joining us here today on the podcast uh we look for all the podcast work. G give them one more drop of all the names of the shows that you do. All of them. You got Go. More Punk Than Me, Forever Quest, and LTF. They're all on purpleelfproductions.com. Thank you so Purple much, Corey. It was so awesome it. talking to you again. And Sean says hi to you and everybody out there. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jeff. Go enjoy that EverQuest streamer. But he might be heading out of the doors of the Unlucky Lounge, but we're going to keep rock and rolling here on the draft. Jeff, you take care. Thanks for coming, man. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Continuing on with this draft here, we uh, decided to pick up a sensor last pick, and we're going to follow that up with a botanical sanctum to get the colors rolling in, the, in our in our bug deck. So good to see uh, Jeff back here in the Unlucky Lounge as we're going to complete this draft with honor with him in mind. Let's take this Illyrios Enraptured. Again, it's a creature. It has some of that re creature recursion things between Nightmare Shepherd and Scarab Gob. Let's see if that works in that same vein that he was talking about before. <laughs> Borok, I don't know, man. That was some crazy sauce, but the sauce is like a secret sauce. It's delicious. Yeah, Borak, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what I just said there. Pick eight. Uh, not much here for us, honestly. There's a spark double, but you know what? I'll take the Farika spawn. Potentially, we can take advantage of some of the other non-creature cards in our graveyard. We're going to be accruing like, oh, this pick nine negates. I really do love negate in this cube. It really just... Gets a lot of things out of our opponent's resolution zone. Again, I don't know what a resolution zone is. I'm, 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 I'm floundering, friends. I'm floundering. Oh, and a body double is here too. That could be interesting. Like if we thought seize or Palaka predation one of their creatures and then copy it with the body double. All right, that's pretty cool. Well, it looks like the rest of this pack is not much in the way of tabling, but we got ourselves. Kind of a cool blue-black splashing a little bit of green cartage in our Find Finality and Hydroid Crasis. This deck is cool, and it's all thanks to Jeff. Look up Jeff and Purple Ear Productions, all those different shows, their newest one, LTF Long-Term Friendship. They are definitely 
some great friends that welcomed me into their community, and I'm so grateful that Jeff had a chance to swing on by and do some cube drafting. And, of course, we can't forget about addressing the day that it is. Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate, I hope you do so with love and joy with the people that are around you, or even on something like a Zoom call, just like myself and Jeff today. Now, for this draft, I think we're going to do something a little bit different, a little bit special. For this draft, we're going to record this and put it up on YouTube for further on-demand viewing. A little holiday gift from the Unlucky Lounge out to all of my Unlucky Lounge rats. So find us on YouTube, Draft and Draft Corey. And as always, with all the other socials on Twitter and Twitch, Draft and Draft Corey, my Instagram, Corey Demone Enriquez. And of course, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft. Link in the episode description alongside a link to LTF, Long Term Friendship, the new show from Purple Elf Productions featuring Jeff and Sean. Let them celebrate your own long-term friendships with a fun show from two very fun guys. Not mushrooms. Well, friends, it looks like I've reached the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of another draft. Thank you so much for joining us here. My name is Corey, joined alongside Borok. <coughs> and this has been Draft and Draft, Friday Night Podcast Edition. Now go out there, and make some magical memories of your own. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.